Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another phenomenal episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to us, and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your friends. Today, we are talking about how to protect your network from counterfeit products. Counterfeiting accounts for an estimated $1 billion in losses annually in the IT industry. Most importantly, it presents a significant risk to your network. So please tune in for the next half hour or so as our champions and our resident expert discuss how you can safeguard your purchases and verify your Cisco products. All right, we have some amazing Cisco champion hosts to help us uncover what you want to know. And we also have the Cisco expert with us. So we are going to get started with a round of introductions. And I always like to go in alphabetical order, at least for our champions. So Amr, we're going to start with you. Who are you? What do you do? Okay. Thank you, Emily. Um, You're my name is, uh, thank you. Uh, my, Amr is, uh, my name is Amr Nasher. I am uh, managing director of Cisco partner called Tawassal based in Saudi Arabia, which focus more on to collaboration solution from Cisco. And my Twitter handle is AMR underscore Nasher N-A-S-H-E-R. And this is my sixth year as a Cisco champion. Oh, congratulations. Wow. Cool. <laughs> Six years. Wow. Okay, um, Jonathan, top of the morning to you. Top of the morning? Wow, yeah, from Australia, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, hi, Emily. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Uh, so my name's uh, Jonathan Mahadi. I'm uh, a principal wireless uh, network engineer at BHP in the mining sector. And I'm really looking forward to talking about this topic. Uh, this comes up quite a lot across the industries, so it should be really interesting today. All right, Liam, tell us about yourself. Hello, hello. Uh, my name is Liam Keegan. I am the president and founder of 24-7 Networks. We are a VAR uh, located in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I am a longtime CCIE, and so I've been in the partner community for over 20 years. And this is, this is just a fascinating topic because I think it, it, uh, everybody that's been in the partner community has probably uh, interacted with brand protection or in, in some form or gotten hit up. So I'm like super excited to talk about this today. So uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Liam J. Keegan. All right. Al, last but not least, glad to have you with us. Uh, can you tell us more about what you do here at Cisco? Absolutely. And thank you. It's a true honor to be here. My name is Al Paladin, and I have the honor of representing the global brand protection team of Cisco. I'm the chief of an organization that is uh, 50 women and men strong. We're situated in 15 countries around the globe, and we provide a whole set of services to our company, to our customers, and to our partners. Our team is a team of investigators, detectives that uh, get leads from around the globe and follow up on cases that pertain to counterfeits, counterfeit upgrades, and gray market products. We also have a team of intelligence analysts, engineers that do forensic analysis of the products that they find uh, installed with customers or in transit by partners, and also a function that we call digital fraud prevention. We're, of course, a company that is known for our excellent hardware, but more and more Cisco is reliant upon software as a revenue stream. And of course, the bad guys know that and try to abuse it. And my team is responsible for blocking them there as well. 
Well, maybe let's just kick off. So uh, to, to start, I have a, a comment and then a question. My, my comment is that if, if your team's motto is not, quote, always use brand protection, unquote, you are missing the, uh, a major opportunity. But with that, with that aside, that's, I, I'm not in marketing if you can't tell. Uh, can you tell us like a cool story of like something that, that brand protection has, has done where there have been some bad guys and some stuff went down and you guys got badges and guns and were able to? Where there's not Liam Neeson, there's Liam Keegan. I, I do have a unique set of skills that nobody actually cares about. <laughs> and thank you very much, Liam, for the question and your set of skills, which we may choose to employ on future raids. And speaking of raids, uh, our team is involved in creating criminal referrals to law enforcement around the globe. And we partner with the Department of Homeland Security, FBI, our uh, colleagues in Customs and Border Protection, Homeland Security Investigations, and our team was actually on the ground over the past six months quite a lot in different parts of the United States. Uh, we recently executed a multi-state um, raid uh, set of activities where we found quite a bit of counterfeit traffic product and also some counterfeit manufacturing in the United States. Uh, we also partner, of course, with colleagues in different countries and very specifically in China. China continues to be a source of uh, counterfeit uh, for uh, Cisco branded products around the globe. But in terms of a cool story, Liam, um, I don't know if it's cool or not, but it was really, really getting bad for a branch of the U.S. military. A few years ago, and this is public record, public knowledge, some of the stories I cannot disclose. Uh, as, I, uh, not surprising. <laughs> as, as with as much detail. But um, if you look at the court records, if you look at the victim impact statement by a senior officer of the United States Marine Corps, what that person said and told the judge was that if counterfeit product actually made it to the battlefield, it would have definitely endangered the lives of the brave women and men who were preparing for a very significant operation. And as we looked at things, they were reliant on Cisco gear, on Cisco kit. They needed switches and routers. They needed transceivers. And what happened um, as a result of our investigation was a decision by somebody very, very low in the chain of command, somebody who was in procurement. I believe the rank was actually a sergeant. And what the sergeant was trying to do was actually good natured. That person was trying to save the government a little bit of money. And that person was trying to speed up delivery. And they were looking for something that would be cheap and fast. And they went to look to the wrong places. They found something on one of the online marketplaces, which promised genuine Cisco gear, which was found to be absolutely counterfeit, uh, counterfeit coming from a source in China primarily, and shipped to the U.S. Marine Corps by a foreign national. So a lot of badness could have occurred if not for the joint partnership between Cisco Brand Protection Investigations and our colleagues in the U.S. federal law enforcement, specifically the FBI, who were part of that investigation. Okay, I'll, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, like a question on that. Um, how big is the gray market, first of all? The second thing is what's considered as a gray product? Like, for example, we have here... Um, I'm not sure how big is the brand production team. However, and we are like I'm, I'm based in Saudi Arabia, and we did like a lot of work around here, and we have uh, like a lot of 
like every day I'm, I'm working as a Cisco partner. I'm getting calls and emails like every day from, from companies that were selling some Cisco products. So what's considered as, as a gray product as sometimes you're getting a product. However, when you check the serial number, it's a genuine Cisco product. However, it's registered for uh, another customer or something like that, uh, where you can get it with very high discount. So does that also consider as a gray product? That's one of the flavors, Amor, and thank you very much for the question. And to be pretty specific uh, about your region and specifically Saudi Arabia, uh, we are currently, the brand protection team is investigating a situation with one of our customers in education, a university in Saudi Arabia where we found dozens of counterfeit switches. And these are pure counterfeit switches. So I'll, I'll go into the qualification and the flavors of what flows in the gray marketplace in a second. But first to answer your first part of your question, which is the size of the problem. And until recently, admittedly, uh, Cisco did not speak publicly about this. But a couple of years ago, Oliver Tuzik, who is the head of the Global Partner Organization at the Partner Summit, decided that it's time. It's time to talk very openly and publicly about the scope and scale of the matter. And uh, Oliver told our channel partners that the gray market, specifically counterfeit, counterfeit upgraded products, and also products that are sometimes stolen and diverted, they displace $1.2 billion worth of legitimate sales opportunities for Cisco's authorized channel. A tremendous amount of money that is not making its way uh, to our partners who are investing, investing to their skill set and their infrastructure and their education and are truly committed to Cisco. So it goes outside of the authorized channel. Now, when we break it down, there is the gray market product that gets diverted and in some regions are... Um, um, Channel partners sometimes promise us that they will be focusing on delivering product to a very specific customer in a specific country. So they ask for an additional discount in order to help win that marketplace and secure that account. Well, most of the time, that's what actually transpires. But in certain instances, there is cheating and lying and fraud that is being committed. Cisco has promised one thing, but then that product never lands at that customer and never stays in that country. It gets diverted. So basically you're seeing price arbitrage, somebody that swindled Cisco for a significant discount, but then sells it outside of their market. And that is a significant portion of the product, uh, excuse me, of the problem. That is unmolested product. But those units are also sometimes base units for what we call counterfeit upgrades. If you take an example of a switch, what typically happens in a canonical example is somebody getting a base unit that is coming with 24 ports and also the essentials version of the iOS. But then they open it up and they upgrade both the hardware to 48 ports and the software to advantage. Repackage it, reseal it, apply different labels and sell it downstream to an unsuspecting customer that are getting something that has been messed with. It's been molested. Somebody's been inside that unit and nobody really knows what else could have happened with that unit. Then we have pure counterfeit. Unfortunately, we are seeing whole manufacturing facilities being set up to fully replicate Cisco's own supply chain and manufacturing processes. This is more of a rare occurrence comparatively to other volumes of product that is out there, but it's a clear danger. Because with something like that, be it a counterfeit transceiver or a pure counterfeit switch, you don't know anything about that product and who built it and how they built it. And we're seeing through working with organizations such as Underwriters Laboratory, UL, 
when we test some of these units, they're out of spec, they're out of standard. Uh, at a very minimum, they can uh, cause failures of operation, but also fire hazards and other things. But then there's the whole aspect of cybersecurity. You really don't know what you're getting in from home. And last but not least, uh, there is also a category of products that have been stolen. They were stolen from end customers or stolen in shipment. And there is a category of products, Emmer, uh, to your question about serial numbers, that we call serial number altered. And what happens with those, um, the fraudsters that are in the middle, they're trying to hide the products that we know, Cisco knows, were shipped to a certain geography. And they're trying to assign serial numbers that appear to be part of somewhere else. And typically product flows east to west. So I'll... I'm just oh sorry <laughs> sorry I'll just 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 to comment on this as well a bit further. So we know we know like the allure is basically they're usually cheaper product, right? Uh, and especially with supply chain uh, supply chain constraints at the moment that we're suffering globally, hence we're all part of the world here. Um, what are the so like what additional um, consequences could there be? So for me, thinking about what industry I work in, it's like meantime to failure, and we just don't know if the product's going to fail right in the critical system. What are the cases, you know, you mentioned, uh, you touched on security. What what kind of cases could we be looking at in terms of counterfeit products deployment? Now, uh, Jonathan, I'd say security is uh, foremost should be that consideration of both the CIO of any responsible organization, but also the CSO in terms of uh, what are you installing into your network? What is going live? What are you depending on to transfer all of the valuable data uh, that you have. Now, uh, beyond that, of course, it's the point of failure. How much are you reliant on that network for the flow of your business? Uh, most of the input that the brand protection team receives globally is actually through technical support cases. These are cases of failures where something is wrong, the product is relayed back to our technical evaluation team, and as they do the analysis, they go, uh-oh, that's not a genuine Cisco product, or this is something that is being touched and molested outside of the authorized channel. So um, failures that are happening, of course, in the example that I gave Amr in a university, but then we see hospitals, we see power stations, we see banks, we see airlines, we see airports, and so on and so forth. And if you can imagine, for example, uh, the networking infrastructure going down at an airport, uh, you can imagine the consequences of even some interruption that is inflicted by something like that. So, I mean, I've been in the channel for a long time and it is not every week we get some offer, right? Oh, genuine Cisco, 88% off, 94% off, minus 300. I mean, it's, it's, it's nonstop, right? Like, can you just sort of maybe give a high level overview of like why, I mean, in, in an age of compressed margins and, and in an age of, you know, everybody's looking to, to, to increase their bottom lines, why, sh like, why should people stay away from that gray market channel and, and, and what, what, what's the brand, brand protection perspective on that? And Liam, these days are harsh realities of the global constraints and the supply chains and the lead times being uh, as they are today. Uh, we all face that. And unfortunately, the pressures increase. The pressures increase on the channel. The pressures increase on the customers to get the product right away. And if you see a spot deal, just go for it and we'll deal with the consequences later. And we're seeing time and time again that a deal that is too good to be true usually is. 
And unfortunately, what we're seeing is more and more counterfeit, counterfeit upgrade product be positioned, especially in the high discount deals. If you look at counterfeit product per se, you know, uh, they can price it as low as their base manufacturing cost. And again, as we analyze the counterfeit products from a forensic analysis perspective, our team gets to see dozens of products uh, every single week from around the globe coming into our forensics labs that are in California, Hong Kong, and Beijing, and Amsterdam. We, we, we see the sloppiness. We see the sloppiness uh, of the quality. So they source the cheapest components, put it together, create a pass-off. Uh, all it needs to do is pass the initial inspection. If it powers on, good, you know, let's get it into our production environment and hope for the best. And that's where uh, the failures happen. So what we've been doing is trying to educate customers on how to identify counterfeit. Uh, we want to prevent those scenarios by giving more tools and resources so that before a product is even powered on, that uh, there is an inspection that is uh, happening uh, to ascertain what's uh, what's out there in front of them so how do we identify it so if we're if i if, I, if i'm jonathan right and i get this switch so this comes up quite often right so we get we get these equipment especially if we're looking at potentially refurb as a last last uh i guess last line of hey i need something in 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 now uh how do we identify if a product is fake or not or counterfeit i should say Jonathan, excellent question. And we're investing more and more resources as a company to help customers and partners identify counterfeits. Well, as I mentioned, identify counterfeit, that's the main resource that I would recommend. If you go onto cisco.com brand protection, identify counterfeit is a prime portal of information. And what we do is provide a tutorial of all the security features that come from the carton in which the product is usually shipped there is a security label on the carton itself. And then depending on the product, there is a variety of other labels that are human readable, as in there are security features like holograms, for example. And we provide video tutorials on how the hologram should look from an authenticity perspective. But then there are also things that are machine readable. And we're currently working on a tool that we call Cisco Verifier. Right now, we are piloting this tool with our colleagues in law enforcement. And we're seeing our colleagues from Customs and Border Protection in the United States become extremely successful in stopping uh, counterfeit traffic product from even reaching U.S. shores and intercepting them in ports of landing uh, all the way from Alaska to uh, JFK. Um, and we are looking to expand the availability of the Cisco Verifier tool to our channel partners and to eventually to customers. Uh, we're working on that and expanding the, the product line. But then beyond identify counterfeit, everything needs to start with a approach to buy right. And what we mean by that, and by the way, that's the name of a resource, again, on Cisco.com brand protection, buy right. It's a resource to pinpoint our legitimate channel partners. Those of you who have invested your time and skills to actually deal fairly with uh, Cisco and with our downstream customers. So we point to them. But if there is any doubt, uh, Cisco Brand Protection also provides a serial number verification service. So if there is something in transit and uh, you're going and hunting or fishing and somebody promises you a good set of products with legitimate serial numbers, come talk to us. Uh, we can run a verification early in the game and let you know what we think that product actually is. Well, uh, Al, um, as, as you said just now, from buying right, because, for example, what tool that the customer should have 
before buying the product. For example, uh, as for example, the, the the education tender that you was talking about, you're talking about that the tender process went out and they bought the items. The budget has been spent. The items arrive. So and these inspections takes long time. I'm not sure. I think it's already two years or something like that, or more than that. I'm not sure. However, this this budget is already finished and the customer at the end he already spent the money and he cannot allocate another budget to buy a right product so what tools or something that the customer should know about before uh, even placing the order or selecting the right source from buying it well first and foremost we encourage all of our customers only to buy from cisco authorized partners and of course, as we all know, there are different levels of certification, which also come with basically a badge of trustworthiness of the investment that the partners are making into the long-term relationship. So that's the first step. Ascertain that those who are knocking on your door actually have anything to do with Cisco. Uh, the number of those who pose as Cisco partners is unfortunately still quite large. And we're um, uh, constantly looking at educating our customers and providing them with the means. And there's a very easy way to check. Again, on Cisco.com, uh, you can find the resource that is the partner locator tool that will pinpoint you to a local partner that uh, has uh, been trustworthy for many years uh, for everybody involved. But then, Emmer, to the other side of the question, what happens uh, post factum, especially in public sector, right, where uh, the cycles are long and then a customer feels, oh, my. We've identified that something is wrong and are we stuck with this and can we go back and get an additional budget to replace this? Well, brand protection is here to help as well to get compensation and get restitution from the criminals who had swindled such a customer. We're here to help and we're here to help to go after the bad guys both through civil litigation and sometimes uh, through criminal uh, litigation as well and criminal referrals to local authorities. Because Amher, if it's a case of, say, uh, uh, as an example, a significant uh, educational institution uh, that is so important for the future of the country, I'm certain that our colleagues in law enforcement will pay attention and go after those who cheated and who stole basically from the government uh, in this situation. So we're here to help there as well. So I think in, in, in this day and age with intellectual property and, and theft of intellectual property being sort of first and foremost in pretty much every organization, like to me, I mean, if you wind up purchasing equipment from sort of unknown sources and that stuff kind of gets in your network or in your infrastructure, you sort of, you don't have any idea where your data, where your packets quite literally are, could be mirrored or sent, right? And I think, Jonathan, you've, you've had some experience with that, but, but maybe just like, can you, can you share a little bit about from, you know, a security aspect, what, what Cisco is doing to make sure that, you know, from a brand protection perspective that your, you know, your, your, your traffic stays yours and, and doesn't go off somewhere. We work very closely, Liam, with our colleagues in our value chain security uh, organization. So part of our supply chain uh, that uh, ascertains the whole process of manufacturing goods to Cisco standards. 
Uh, we build them, we package them, we seal them, uh, including with the use of security labels to indicate that the products are unmolested. And by the way, uh, one of the next generation labels is appearing on our Cat9K, on the uh, Cat9300 uh, switches right now, where we are installing a new certificate of authenticity that has currency grade security features. So security features they would typically find on a high denomination US dollar bill or on a Euro a note uh, you would find on the certificate of authenticity. But then again, to prevent any molestation with the product, we've created a new label that we call the break the seal label. It's strategically positioned on the hinge and anybody who opens up that chassis, opens up that uh, um, uh, product will break that label uh, inadvertently. And that will be again, a signal to the end customer that something has been tampered with. But again, Liam, uh, back to the core of your question in terms of cybersecurity, if you're getting a counterfeit product that Cisco has nothing to do with, that's been manufactured in some factory someplace in southern China, I'd say, Liam, all bets are off uh, okay, for, sure. for you as a customer. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned that Al about the new logo. You know, some of these products are actually worth more than gold. <laughs> the way they, the way the supply chains are right now, um, and you touched on you know working with other teams. I'm just interested uh, if you can talk about maybe how you're securing the actual platform as well. So, for example, the Cisco products are very very complex, right? So, uh, are you looking at technologies like blockchain or some other uh, kind of decentralized, uh, you know, uh, asset tracking of uh, components are, are similar. Jonathan, we are very actively looking at blockchain because that brings a lot of benefits, and uh, we are looking at different implementations and also industry examples. And actually, our team and brand protection a few years ago got an industry award for some innovative thinking in the space that we're looking forward to implement. But the whole notion of track and trace, that is the important aspect and being able to follow a product through the build state, through the shipment state, through all of the handoffs in the channel and then to the final arrival point, especially uh, for customers in critical infrastructure and defense security and so on and so forth. So that is forthcoming. But at the same time, Jonathan, I also think you've uh, spoke, uh, you asked uh, something about uh, what we're doing for the products themselves inside and working very closely with our colleagues in the security and trust organization inside of Cisco. We're constantly looking on the evolution of the internal uh, security features that we have on board. So I spoke about labels, but we also have the so-called trust anchor technology that exists on the motherboards in the form of special chips and command sets that ascertains that the product is what it is uh, in the first initial power on state and constantly checks. And by the way, uh, sort of a pre-announcement, uh, it will come out uh, hopefully in a few days, but there will soon be a field notice uh, that will be very specific uh, and a recommendation for a certain category of switches uh, for customers to install the latest version of the iOS uh, because uh, it, the uh, latest version actually has a feature that would allow customers to automatically scan their network and see if their product is a probable counterfeit out there. So again, one of the first that we're uh, starting to implement. Um... A uh, question, Al. Uh, when you say that, uh, when you define the categories of uh, what's considered a gray, as a gray product um, or gray market product, um, well, selling this uh, an item, however, it's in the same country, but to a different customer. Like, for example, 
for example, we are in Saudi, okay, and we and we got a big deal for like one of the service provider or something, where they get a very high discount on a big deal. However, one of these items or part of these items are sold resold inside the country. It didn't go out. However, it's resold inside the country to another like smaller customer. Does that also considered as a gray market product? Yes, Amr, it is considered, and that's also a violation of our rules. And one thing that the brand protection team does is monitor those deals. We call those deals internal diversion, right? So we have international diversion from, again, as I mentioned, primarily from east to west. But in countries in North America, in Western Europe, and other parts of the globe, we also see internal diversions because what is happening is Cisco is being played. There is an unfair advantage that a partner is getting because they promise a certain thing. They say, we're going to break through into this customer and we're going to secure and we're the only ones who can do it and give us this mega discount and everything will be fine. And then when we find products like that and or when we find partners trafficking counterfeit, we have a consequences framework inside of Cisco. Uh, thanks to the great partnership that we have with Oliver Tuzik and his global partner organization, a couple of years ago, we defined the penalties uh, and the consequences for partners that are caught red-handed in situations like that. Perhaps in years prior, we did not have that, but we now have a system of yellow cards and red cards, and we boot partners out of the program. And uh, in certain instances, uh, we make them pay. Uh, we make them pay severely. Uh, we do targeted deal reviews all the time, and we present the findings to the partners in question. And if they choose to stay uh, as a partner with Cisco, we sign letters of undertaking under which the partners pay restitution and significant restitution that goes to Cisco and also to, to the customer involved. But in a deal like that that you're describing, yes, unfortunately, internal diversion happens. And um, according to our agreement, the ICPA, Cisco has the right to audit those deals, and we do. And brand protection uh, does a great amount of that work uh, all the time, unfortunately. So, so if I, as a partner, decide to undertake some shady behavior, right? I mean, what, what prevents me from just going and starting a new partner? Uh, the advanced capabilities of the excellent analytical team that uh, brand protection has. Uh, we have means to identify things uh, by... Um, historical analysis. Anyway, uh, to make a long story short, all the way from digital fingerprinting to uh, knowing who the actual physical uh, persons are behind the legal entities. We have a complex set of uh, intelligence that we gather and process, and we are very much focused on the so-called Phoenix accounts that sometimes reappear on not having them uh, damage Cisco um, as a consequence. Neem, you're not shady. We don't think you're shady. All good. Uh, Thank, but, you. Uh, Thank you. Going back to um, <laughs> these counterfeit products, uh, if we do identify a counterfeit product, right, who do, like, who do we contact? So we've got a framework in there where we can see, you know, our um, check to see whether the uh, product is counterfeit. But what do we do then? What's next? Please, please, please reach out to us, cisco.com slash brand protection. There is a very simple intake form. We ask four or five questions. That's just the base of information that we need about where is it coming from, who are you, how to contact you, and the product in question. And we will immediately respond. Uh, we have a team that is dedicated to following up on every single request, every single lead. Can you share real quick? You had mentioned this when we had, we had talked earlier, but can you mention how you know, like how 
some of the counterfeiters will turn the other counterfeiters in. I, I just think it's fascinating. <laughs> oh, uh, Liam, it's unbelievable. Uh, uh, some stories that we come across are truly stranger than fiction. That, that's we why just, we're here. We want to hear some of these. <laughs> and just recently, just recently we, we had a case uh, in the United States uh, where uh, we found out about a massive scheme of importing uh, counterfeit product. Everybody knew what was happening. Uh, there was no denying it, and nobody was even trying to deny it. So they were sourcing from a known counterfeit manufacturer in China. They were mislabeling the products. They were actually bringing in components. So the way that they chose to fly under the radar of customs inspection in the United States was uh, bring in different parts and then do the final assembly. But uh, it had a very competitive uh, situation for one of the disgruntled uh, counterfeit traffickers. Somebody encroached on his territory, and he decided that the best way of dealing with them was call brand protection. And we, of course, uh, partnered with law enforcement because the volumes were very significant. And with the help of our colleagues from Homeland Security, we recently executed a number of raids. But yeah, it all started off by one of the bad guys ratting out another bad guy. That's fascinating. It's like, uh, like, like, like the assembly is like, it's like bringing Cuban cigars into the United States from Mexico, but not just having the labels, you know, like everything with the stick the labels on when you get here. That's fascinating. Liam, that's exactly how it was, actually. That's exactly because they were uh, trying to position things as generic components. Um, and it's very difficult from a law enforcement perspective once uh, you are looking at something that is not branded, that does not have the uh, Cisco trademark on it to actually stop it. But again, the follow through, the tracking and the tracing of the shipments going and actually doing monitoring of the uh, locations of the criminal activity. Uh, doing that criminal referral, the investigations, the stakeouts, and the final raids where you basically march in and you see it. Yep, that's the table. That's where you were taking the label and putting it on the product. And that constitutes, uh, cons constitutes the crime of counterfeiting the trademark of Cisco. And uh, yeah. Um, one last question, Al. Um, um, how big or how serious is brand protection team? Like, um, for example, you're, as you said before, that you are requesting, or you are focusing more into like North America and China, uh, and some of the like in Saudi are seeing one of the big deals. So, is brand protection also looking into like very small deals, ten thousand dollar, twenty thousand dollar deals, which happens like for example in third world country countries, like some parts in Africa or some parts like in Yemen or something like that. Uh, Amr, we're truly a global team, and we actually have a number of our colleagues based in the Middle East. They're based in Beirut, uh, so close enough uh, to be effective and be able to jump on a plane and be on the ground as, as soon as needed. But in terms of the smaller deals, nothing goes unnoticed. Uh, one of the wonderful things that we built out in the back end is a fairly complex way of looking at Believe it or not, more than 80 million transactions uh, every single year through the application of machine learning and artificial intelligence and making the connections and the link analysis that takes you from the little breadcrumbs to the small fish, to the medium fish, and then to the big fish. And that is, of course, our target. So no clue is too small for Cisco brand protection. So please, please, please send it our way. Eventually, we will find the bad guys. And it's our job to take them out. 
Uh, Al, just a question with regards to, you know, we, we've got the serious supply chain issues like globally, not just in Cisco, but uh, like uh, felt across different uh, industries. Refurb has come up as an option where we need to maintain project schedules and, and meet our uh, outcomes. Um, is that something that we can apply to brand protection as well? So, you know, refurb products, you know, people can be a bit more iffy about them. What is that? It's, does the process apply to the same to the same to the refer projects as it does to new? Jonathan, thank you. We actually highly recommend looking at Cisco Refresh as a very viable opportunity right now to serve the needs of customers around the globe. They're typically, as we know, uh, less expensive than brand new products, but at the same time, availability sometimes is very very favorable. And the good thing about Refresh products, the products are back in Cisco's hands. We analyze them. We make certain that nothing is wrong with them, no threat of counterfeit, no threat of any malicious activity. We repackage them, reseal them, reapply the labels. And it's not only about the hardware, it's also about the software licensing. So what the customer is getting is um, refurbished hardware and software guaranteed by Cisco. So that's a great option right now. Um, can I ask one more question, please? <laughs> uh... Because we always, like from partners' side, we always face uh, all these uh, counterfeit products and gray market. So uh, just want to know from your side, Al, do you face like inside stories from inside Cisco um, that some of the account managers that they resell or they want to, to close their targets, that they just try to push uh, to sell more products, even if it's not going to the same uh, end, end customer? Uh, Amr, unfortunately, we have to admit that we've had cases like that uh, with uh, Cisco employees doing the wrong thing. And I'm so glad I've been with the company for the past five years that I've seen a tremendous change since I originally joined in May of t uh, 2017 till today of that internal discipline. My team is actually part of the global compliance team inside of Cisco Legal. And we partner very, very closely with Jerry Elliott, who is the head of Cisco Sales. And Jerry and um, her successor, Jeff, are very, very focused on this matter of making certain that every employee plays by the rules and there is no channel stuffing that is happening. There are no artificial discounts that are given just to uh, make things happen in the short term. Because short-term game is long-term loss. It's, it's loss of faith. It's loss of reputation. It's, it's loss uh, on so many levels and so much loss uh, to our partners as a consequence. So we're very focused on analyzing all of the deals that Brand Protection sees and partnering with our internal investigations colleagues to see if there's any internal connection to the deal and how it happened. Well, there you have it. Brand Protection sees everything, so don't do it. Just don't do it. The Irish siren. Right. <laughs> Cue the bad boys right. music. Yeah. Well, this was a really interesting and deeply informative episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you want to learn more about brand protection or leverage some of the tools and resources mentioned during today's episode, check out the links provided in the show notes below. And one last reminder, please, wherever you're listening to us, subscribe or follow now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week. Bye.